The content from today's episode does not substitute medical advice. If you have any mental health concerns, please reach out to your local medical service. And for those in Australia, contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. Welcome to Mind and Soul Matters. We're excited to share with you another live forum presentation as part of a series of live talks. Today's episode is the first in a series of three to deepen our understanding and response to a very sensitive and important topic, suicide. This forum was organized in collaboration between Mind and Soul Matters, Melville Baha'i Community and Lifeline. I will leave the introduction of our presenter to Dr. Dina Ashurian, MC of the forum. Please note that the sound quality of the first six minutes of today's episode has minor echoing. However, the content is invaluable, so bear with us as the sound quality returns to normal and it is definitely worth a listen. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Dina and I'll be your MC this afternoon. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we're meeting today and recognize our continuing connection to land, sea, and community. We offer our respect to them and their cultures and to the elders, both past, present, and emerging. I'd like to acknowledge Lifeline WA, along with the Melville Baha'i community, for sponsoring today's event. Today's event is a part of a series of mental health and well-being forums where we explore relevant topics with the help of expert panel members. Baha'i communities all over the world are working to engage in social discourses on topics that are impacting our communities and the society at large. Today's forum has a focus on the difficult topic of suicide. This might be a difficult topic for some people, especially if they have known a person who has died by suicide. So just a gentle warning, if you do find the information shared today has triggered or distressed you, I urge you to check in with your support network. According to the Australian Bureau of Statistics, 3,249 Australians died by suicide in 2022 number of deaths makes suicide very real, especially when you also consider the families and friends of those who have died. Over 7 million Australian adults are close to someone who has died by suicide or attempted suicide. This is a significant health issue for our society. Our first presenter is Ms. Virginia Bradshaw. Virginia has over 25 years experience in vocational rehabilitation and injury management, working at high levels within the Commonwealth government, both in policy development and service delivery. As part of the recovery team, she manages complex psychological cases, including PTSD and physical claims across many sectors. Virginia is an accredited mediator and has extensive experience in facilitating independent solutions, focusing meditation, and facilitated discussion. Virginia has extensive counseling experience, is an active long-term volunteer for Lifeline WA, and enjoys delivering training in the area of mental health 
including guest lectures at Curtin University. Her counseling experience includes pain management, adjustments to injury, anxiety, and grief. Virginia's lifeline experience has developed and honed her skills at telephone counseling and has had many successful outcomes with rural and remote clients who needed assistance through phone counseling. So I'm now going to pass the floor on to our first speaker, Virginia Bradshaw. Thanks, Dana, for the intro. So my focus this afternoon is going to be around Lifeline, really, and some of the statistics, which Dana's already alluded to. But the statistics around suicide are actually really frightening. I've got a few here that are the most recent ones that Lifeline has published. 8.6 Australians die per day from suicide. That's double the road toll. 75% of those who take their own life are male, and there's an unknown number of attempts, but we estimate that it's about 65,000 people per year. Suicide's the leading cause of death for Australians between the ages of 15 and 44. The rate in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people is twice that of non-Indigenous. People in rural populations are two times more likely to take their life by suicide. Similarly, the LGBTIQ plus community have report having attempted suicide in the past 12 months at a rate 10 times higher than the general Australian population. It's estimated that suicide death impacts about 135 people, so family, friends, work colleagues, first responders. In my paid job, I actually work with paramedics who have PTSD, so I know the impact of that. Males aged 85 and over actually experience the highest age-specific rate of suicide. I thought that was an interesting one. And an estimated one in three Australians reported feeling lonely. And obviously that's why Lifeline's there. And the majority of the calls that I take at Lifeline are actually from people who have nobody else to speak with. And so, you know, they're completely isolated. They might have people in their lives, but they don't feel that they're able to actually communicate with them. A couple of Lifeline statistics. Each year, we get over a million Australians reaching out to Lifeline for support. In January, just gone, Lifeline WA took our record number of interactions, so that's telephone, texting and online interactions, it was 1,248 and that's the most we've ever taken in a month before. We receive a call every 30 seconds at Lifeline. Um, we have 41 centres across Australia with about 10,000 volunteers and 1,000 employees. So I mostly wear a volunteer hat, but I do run some training for Lifeline as well. And there are about 3,500 crisis supporters working with Lifeline so that you know, we can actually take those calls. I'm a long-term volunteer. I've been doing telephone counselling for 13 years now, and there's only a few people that have been there longer than I have. So in talking about suicide, it's something that I'm very comfortable in doing, okay? And asking about suicide is something that I do in every interaction that I have at Lifeline. And we have to do that because even though the person may not give an indication or what we call an invitation to ask about suicide, they may 
may still be having suicidal ideation. And so often I might think, oh, no, they haven't given me any clues to, they might, you know, they might be thinking about suicide, but we always ask. And people often think that in asking, we might plant the seed that, oh, you know, suicide's a good idea. And in fact, it's not. For every person that I ask, are you having thoughts of suicide or are you thinking of killing yourself or whatever other way I might ask the question? It's always very direct in terms of how I ask. I'll go into that a little bit more detail shortly. But every time I ask that, if the person's not thinking about suicide, they usually say no straight away. Okay, and they'll say, no, 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 oh gosh, no, 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 no. But often when the person is thinking about suicide, there'll be a pause and they will go, actually, yes, I am. Or there'll be a pause and, you know, the pause will continue and I'll let them sit there and think about it because that's important to allow people to sit in that discomfort. And then often they will say, yes, I am. And, you know, then we can explore that. But asking the question is very, very important. And asking specifically and directly is key. I run a lot of mental health training and we have a segment in it where we do role playing and it's asking about suicide having difficult conversations. And we know that, you know, if we say to somebody, oh, you're not thinking of doing something silly, are you? Or you're not going to harm yourself or hurt yourself or something quite nebulous like that. The person could answer in any way, okay? If we say you're not thinking of doing something silly, what does that mean, okay? Because for the person, you know, it, it might not be silly, Okay, so it's really important to be specific in in asking. I always put it in a context of what the person has already told me. And so they might have said, you know, that they're feeling depressed or they're really isolated or, you know, they're dealing with lots of problems at work or in their relationships or whatever it might be. And I'll summarise that and say something like... Sometimes when people are feeling depressed or having relationship problems and dealing with grief, they sometimes think of suicide. Are you thinking of taking your own life tonight? And then they'll answer. Okay, but it puts it into a context of why I'm asking and it kind of softens the blow as well for the person. But it really helps so that they know they've got an idea of why I've asked about that. So if you're in the situation where you do have to ask somebody, you know, you can couch it in those sorts of terms and use phrases like, are you thinking of killing yourself? Are you thinking of taking your own life? Are you thinking of suicide? There's some, you know, really clear and direct. We avoid the term committed suicide. Are you thinking of committing suicide? It's it's not a phrase that we use. I don't use it at all. It's still unfortunately used in the media at times, but, you know, it's something that we do avoid. But the language we use around suicide is actually really important. The other things to think about is if you have someone in your life who you're concerned about, is often to think about, you know, how you might ask that person about suicide. And so they might not, you know, be showing any outward signs. And obviously when someone's ringing Lifeline, you know, they're ringing for a purpose. And so it's it's easier for me to go into that conversation. But if you've got a work colleague or a friend or family member who you're wanting to ask, it's really important to prepare to have that conversation. And so I often give people the example of talking about changes that they might have noticed, 
So it could be that the person has started behaving in a different way or they've been saying things that are not normal for that person. Or they could, you know, there could be other changes in their moodiness or they, they could even be showing more happiness, for example. Sometimes when people have made the decision to take their own life, they feel a, a calmness about them. So I often ask people when they're thinking of suicide and they say, yes, I often ask, do those feelings bring you fear or do they you know bring a sense of relief and I know if the the person says it brings them a sense of relief that I have to work really hard on that call to actually get them to think about other alternatives rather than ending their life so yes people suddenly being happy that's not necessarily a sign that they're not thinking of taking their own life And in preparing to have that conversation with people, you have to also expect that they may not be comfortable in in answering you, okay? And that's okay because people don't have to respond and sometimes they're not comfortable then. They don't know that you're even going to ask about this and so they haven't had the same preparation time as you have if you've been thinking about, you know, asking that person. So it's important then to follow up um, and say, you know, look, I've realised I've caught you unawares or something like that. You know, I can see you're uncomfortable at the moment. You know, maybe we can talk about this at another time, but then it's really important to follow up with them, okay? But acknowledge that they don't have to speak in that moment. The other important thing in asking a person about their suicidal thoughts, don't just think after having one conversation that you can kind of tick that box and go, okay, I can move on now and, you know, we've dealt with that. It's often an ongoing conversation. The balance has to be right in terms of how much you bother that person because you don't want to get them offside. But, you know, having an open conversation with them is really important to, you know, establish how often you follow up with them. I don't think many of us can claim that we save lives, but I I think you do that on a daily basis in your job. So thank you for explaining to us the importance of asking the question directly and also the language around how to ask the question. So thank you for that. Now it's time to open it up to questions. Just a general question. Is the recognition or the management different if someone has a mental illness, that they're taking medication, maybe they're not using the medication correctly, maybe they're doing some other drugs along with it. Do you manage it very differently to if it's purely an emotional or psychological? And and I'll just add, at Lifeline, we always ask about drug use and alcohol use at that moment. So has the person taken drugs? Have they consumed alcohol? Because that actually puts them at a higher risk of taking their own life. So for me, as a taking a call at Lifeline, that's a really important factor. And I often might ask about their medication for mental health purposes, that they are taking it as prescribed because, you know, it can have an impact on them if they're not or if they're overtaking it, okay? But for me, as a risk factor, it's actually really important to know about drug misuse or alcohol consumption in that moment. And Virginia, can you maybe just now talk about the transient nature of suicidal thoughts? Yeah, yeah. So sometimes people are in such immense pain that they think that the only way that's going to resolve is by ending their own life. Now, 
when I'm on a call with someone who is feeling that way, we sit in that pain, okay? And we sit and we sit and we sit and we talk about it and, you know, we've, I find out all the reasons why and, you know, I find out all sorts of things, you know, I, and, and I don't remember any of it because as part of my self-care, I, I actually forget all of my calls. There's about two or three that I do remember, but but we sit in that pain and empathy that that person's given in that, you know, in that caring environment that I try to create for them often allows them to move through that, to have a glimmer of hope to stay alive that night. Okay. And that's all we work towards is keeping them safe for now. Okay. And you know, because what happens the next day is, you know, what happens the next day. But we create a, you know, a situation where they feel safe to go off and go to bed or whatever it might be so that they don't act on those thoughts. And we make a safe plan so that if the thoughts do come back, that they can follow that through. I often ask people, have they been in this situation before? And we looked at, look at what are the protective factors that they've used previously. What helped you last time you felt this way? okay, could you do that now, you know? And so often people go, oh, yeah, that's right. And they forget that, you know, I did this or did that. I journaled or I had a shower. I, you know, drank chamomile mm. tea, whatever it is. And then they go, okay, well, maybe you could try that again. And so they try that, but they know that they can always ring back if that doesn't work. So they find the solution though, and and then we work through that so that they're comfortable. And I usually hear a shift in the tone of their voice, you know, and I listen very carefully to that. So I, I listen for that change and I'll say, oh, I can hear a change in the tone of your voice. How do you feel? Do, do you feel different? And they'll say, oh my gosh, I feel so relieved. Or I've, yes, I do feel different. Or yeah, I feel a bit better, you know, whatever it is. But because I'm noticing all those very slight changes, and it's easy when you're on the phone because you've got no visual distractions, you're just listening to their voice. And so they're the things that then allow me to know this person's going to be safe. Once I hang up the phone, you know, I can't own what they do because, you know, again, I couldn't carry that with me. But in in terms of, you know, knowing that they have had a significant shift, I'm comfortable in hanging up the call and, and knowing that they're going to be safe. I do want to wrap up now. A very big thank you to Lifeline WA for co-sponsoring this event along with the Baha'i community of Melville. Again, thank you to our expert panelists and the organizing task force. And finally, if today's forum has raised any concerns for you, please check in with your supports or call Lifeline on 131114. 